1: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri. And what is left of his voice coming at you at the tail end of an offseason, uh, recording this the night before both uh, Team USA and Team Canada attempt to get to uh, the World Cup final. So uh, you won't be hearing anything about that because those games haven't happened yet, unfortunately. But boy, do we have something even better. And that is my... I want to call you my partner in crime, even though we, yeah, you know, we're not partners. We, we, I feel like you've been my spiritual partner doing this shit for, uh, God, I've lost track of the years. Uh, the one, the only,
2: the franchise CP of Knicks Fan TV. How are you, my friend, John? Doing good, man. I said, you know, when we, uh, when we scheduled this, that the the KFS KFTV crossover usually signifies. The start of the NBA season, or it's it's vastly approaching. So it's a good time of year, man. We got football starting up, yeah. basketball around the corner, World yeah. Cup to wet our appetite a little bit. It's a good time, man. It it is a good
1: it's like uh flowers blooming signifies spring. Or uh what's the wood not I was gonna say woodchuck, groundhog when he <laughs> pops
2: groundhog.
1: out of his little hole. That's us. We're the groundhog. We yes. pop out of our little hole. <laughs> uh that's yeah, great. Uh, anyway, so we have a, a gimmick uh, today that we're going to continue. I know we did it last year. I, maybe we did it the year before. Andrew has a much better memory than me. Where we have some some questions that we're going to be taking, and uh, me and CP are both going to be going through uh, whatever people want to hear us talk about. Uh, but before we get to the first of those, I just I only have one question for you, and it's it, it related to what I just kind of said that we we've been at this for a while. Mm. I find and I've been thinking about this recently because now we're starting to get ramped back up again. I find that with each passing off season, I have the need to unplug and distance myself a little bit more, which, you know, as you know, better than anyone can't truly do because there's always some yeah. content to put out. There's always more stuff to do. I'm just curious. Cause you're the only one out there who I think does this to the level that we do. Do you find that that's the same for you where the, because the bigger you get, the more you just need a break or is it like the opposite? Because like now you're, you feel even more the need to always be producing, always be. So like how have the last few months, you know, been for,
2: been for you? Yeah. You know what? I, I, I do get that feeling but also the adrenaline that came with the playoffs, That's it, you know, the playoff run from doing the content to being at MSG, being outside in MSG with the mosh pits and, and all that energy, you kind of wanted to keep it going a little bit. And so I did take a little bit of a break. And then I went out to Jamaica from there, I went to Summer League. You know, Summer League was, was a vibe in itself, even though the team wasn't that good. Yeah. But uh, actually, during the finals, we started the NBA report. So yep. I love it. I've, so we've got double duty, you know, covering the NBA report, covering KFTV. But uh, that's been growing pretty well. So I haven't really taken the time off that I that I wanted to. But that at the end of the day, it's it's been fun. You know, this offseason journey has been been a good time. God bless
1: you, man. Uh, because again, I was, I was joking with Andrew earlier today could not do what you do and actually take callers. It's <laughs> enough that I read the thoughts of people on the screen. If I did what you do and actually heard people, uh, I don't want to say ramble on some of the, some of the stuff is, uh, I would need a nice vacation, but you're, you're a better man than me.
2: It's Nick's therapy, man. But you know, I've gotten so used to it doing it for six years. It's like, all right, you know, you know what to expect on a given night, whether it's a win or a bad loss. So you kind of know what to expect.
1: You do. yeah. I'll say that you do. And, and as you know what to expect more and more as the, the weeks and months and years pass it, it does kind of, it makes it easier, but it, it's also, it's like, it's still, uh, There's still something that, you know, when you know a particularly nasty (laughs) comment or a call is coming down the pike and you know it's going to, like, if it hits a nerve for you and you know it's going to hit that nerve, you're like, you got to prepare yourself. That never goes away. That's No, never goes away. Um, But we're lucky that we get to do it. Uh, And we're lucky we get to do this. And that is uh, talk, you know, with I'll say the we could see training camp. We could see media day, like kind of, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, uh, It's what, three weeks now, whereabouts, right? I think the official mm-hmm. media day is, is, October 2nd, but it's coming, you know, it's, it's coming and uh, a good time to kind of maybe lay some groundwork before we really get into the thick of um, preseason projections and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, unless there's anything else, I'm going to turn it to my, my trusty producer here, Wearing the original, oh the uh, the the what is it? The from the bear, the show. Yes, the yes. shirt from, T-shirt
3: from the bear. T-shirt from the bear. Nice. TB, you watch the bear? I do not. I
1: have right, not. You
3: know,
2: on, on the off season, I did try to catch up on shows, and I did catch Succession, but I didn't catch the bear. So it, it's in order. I, I have some, you know, a, a queue of shows I'm trying to catch up on at some point in my lifetime. But I did watch Succession. It was fantastic. Do you like Succession? Mm-hmm. I loved it. I finished it. You finished okay, loved it, absolutely loved it, yeah
1: I got through I got through the first season, I made it halfway through the second season I, I, people are gonna think I'm so so much less of me when I say this. Wow. I had no interest in any of these people, wow, well, was It wasn't finding you? out what they were doing, oh
2: man, I was into it, man, lockstep, everybody
1: is it's like yeah. consider one of the greatest shows of all
3: time. Andrew thinks so little of me that i he knows this view of mine, <laughs> so I don't. You know. there, I mean, you, you give me a lot of reasons to think a little of you at times. And this <laughs> is maybe at the top of the list. You know, Jonathan. You know what I've been catching up on? Because
1: uh, my wife des- uh, decided that my daughter needed this as part of her life. Uh, full House, starting from season one, episode one. Wow. My wife and I have been watching it with our oldest, who's about to turn seven in, in a wow. few weeks. It, that You want to talk about a trip? Going back <laughs> down and watching it like 30 some odd years later. Oh boy, almost 40 years later. What am I saying? Yeah.
2: yeah. What does she think about it? What's he doing she, to think
1: about it? Absolutely loves it wow. and thinks Michelle, the the baby, yeah, is the f- anything she does. She thinks it's the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. It's incredible.
2: It, you got it. Dude. That that humor and that style can still resonate today with the younger
1: generation. It's I like it. it, it it's it's uh, it it that yes. What you just said
3: completely. That's totally. funny. So I don't want to set any expectations. Mm-hmm. But speaking of television and finally watching something, John. Um, I think you will be happy to know that. Uh, and I can make this reference now. I think I can officially say that I'm your Christopher because wow, uh, Rosie yeah. and I have are in the middle of uh, season one of The Sopranos. And wow. We love it. We're well, we're finally taking the plunge finally. into the Sopranos. Uh CP, I'd held it off first. I know how the last episode ends, too. Yeah. So there's something to that yeah. mystery, like not, a, not not impacting me at all. Then there's also like the ubiquitous. Like it took forever for me to watch Star Wars because oh. I knew, like, oh, yeah. I am your father. I know all of the different <laughs> uh, ubiquitous references that are around. So it's not necessarily imperative for me to jump on it we said because I, i'm not sure if you know this right if any of our listeners know this i got married this summer mm-hmm. so Congratulations soon, you know, by the thank way. you thank you as soon as we get done with wedding planning we'll finally take the plunge into the sopranos and then we waited two more months after that and then there we're you like go. you know what yeah. now we got no excuses so do we have, do me a favor uh, and check check back with me after the show's
1: over to let me know if you still feel like you are my christopher We'll have that oh
3: then. okay yes i'm in season one christopher at the moment although who's our who's our uncle june listen that's we, our i need oh, a so lot more so time early next. there's so still <laughs> so early cp did you watch the sopranos of course yeah of course yeah, he said yeah, okay yeah. well i i'll echo your i love i love succession i thought I, it's the closest thing to a trump documentary that we're gonna get um so I I echo all your sentiments about it, but we are here to talk about a different family, and it's the Knicks yeah. content family oh, that covers this team in an elite way. I have sent out the back signal to mm. several different people that you all know and love, specifically you both know and love, love and I think you're going to enjoy the different questions that are thrown at you. This is the same thing we do. Every year. That's right, John. We've done this every year for the past three seasons. This is the third or fourth one? Third one. Wow. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, I'm yeah, glad yeah. you no remembered percent. the other two that yeah, I put yeah. so much work into so, I and got yeah. people to, to give questions for. I don't remember what I have for dinner tonight. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Um, so I will take you to your first question of the night. Uh,
0: here we go. Oh, wow. What's good, CP? What's good, Macri? It's Alex Harris here, a.k.a. The Tradicaster. You already know who it is. Soon to be the Datacaster. I got a Julius Randle question for both of you, okay? What's more likely to happen? One, will Julius Randle get an extension and stay a Nick for another four seasons? Two, will Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson be the leading ticket to a Knicks championship? Number three, will Julius Randle be included in a trade for someone like Joel Embiid or Giannis Antetokounmpo? Number four, will Jonathan Macri put another paper plate over Julius Randle's face? Or number five, will CP and the Knicks chick, aka Lady KFTV, go on a double date, a dinner double date with Mr. and Mrs. Randall? Looking forward to your answer, fellas. <laughs> I
1: I didn't realize I was this was going to be like me back in law school taking notes that I was, there was going to be five choices. Holy yeah. goodness gracious! Um, well, I we could alter. I, I'll, I'll go just off the top of my head. I, I'll go first. We we'll go back and forth. Um, the poster, by the way, for anybody listening and, and watching who, who is wondering, it is now on the outside of my office. Uh, so it's still there. They're still there to put a paper plate on his face. Uh, I'm I'm not putting a pickle plate <laughs> up anytime soon. Um, I'm curious if if the same thing rung interestingly to you as it did to me, which was when Alex asked about the likelihood of Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall leading, yeah, the charge. Right, that implies that they would be the best two players on the team. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't see that one happening. Do yeah. you? No. Okay. I don't see that. No. Um, for me, I get it. putting aside double dates and and paper plates. Uh, for me, I guess it comes down to he gets a four-year extension or he's traded for a star. Um,
2: that's an interesting one. Uh, do you, Are you leaning one way or the other? It, it all depends on who becomes available, right? Sure. As long as they're on this track where they're competitive, they're going to be one of the best teams in the East. I still believe it. I think Julius will still be a part of it and and a part of the team's future until they can make a legitimate upgrade. Embiid is trying to say all the right things. He's Mm. here regardless of... uh, He's he's staying in Philly regardless of what happens with Harden. They all say that in the beginning. We'll see what happens as things transpire between Harden and Maury. It's a complete mess in Philadelphia. But until that guy becomes available, whether it is Embiid or it is Giannis, and I think it is going to be one of those two guys, I can see... Leon in this regime sticking around with Julius as long as he maintains this all-star, all-NBA level. I mean, why wouldn't you at this point?
1: So this is really interesting because, my God, are there 10 more fascinating careers in the last like 20 years of the NBA? I could see a scenario where we get to next offseason when when he can extend, even though he has another year left on the deal before uh, his player option. And... Be the, I'm not going to do a whole CBA thing, but like he, he, the amount that he'd be able to extend for would be, I think, pr- would be less, yeah. pretty sure, than what he could get if he hit the market and someone gave him a full max. I could see a scenario where the, you know, the, the Knicks, could sell it like we're getting an all NBA player at a quote unquote discount because all NBA players go for I mean you saw what Jalen Brown got yeah. this and that and they extend him for a, a decent amount of money. The only hesitation I have with that is you know, do you really want to commit to another four years on top of the file? You know, because again, we all remember what happened when things weren't going well. I gotta say I think the likeliest of those and I don't think necessarily any of them are most very likely. I think the likeliest of those is maybe he goes out in a trade. I can't believe I'm saying that, but that's yeah. what I would say.
2: That, that's what I would say. I think it's trade first, then extension. Uh, last on the list would be dinner. However, I will say that between the three of us, me, you and Alex, I am the only one to not be blocked by Julius Randall, despite the previous riffs and tiffs between me and the family. And he did leave us a nice kind message on the Knicks Fan TV Instagram, when we did post his uh, his 50 point outing against the Timberwolves, he said all love. So he extended the knowledge knowledge branch. So maybe then it's not necessarily off the table. I just, I, you know, I, I don't like to muddy the waters. I like to stay on the content side and, you know, let him handle the basketball stuff that you should like
1: print out. Or, or like put that on a plaque and put it on like a mantle. <laughs> Julius Randall did not block me. His whole circle has blocked me. Someone referenced some trainer or something of his, and I like clicked on the the person's what at thing on uh, X, and I could it was I was blocked by that person too. What? Yeah, the, his wife. If he has any pets, I'm sure they've blocked. Me <laughs> day. It's, it's
3: not a great situation. The whole world, Daddy. But.
1: Uh, H- Andrew, what's what's the next question?
3: Hold on. Yes. What did you just call Twitter? X. Did you X now? We're we're not doing that. We're okay, not doing sorry. that. We're not doing that. His mama called him X. His mama called him sorry. Twitter. I'm Dude, calling, him, calling Twitter. him Twitter. Okay. We're not doing that. We're okay? calling him the bird. <laughs> exactly. It is Burn Twitter. I'm not I'm not letting yeah. him do that. Okay. Fine. He has ruined Twitter in so many ways. I'm not letting him keep it going. Keep do it that way with the name as well. Okay. Next sure. up.
4: Hey guys. First time, long time just had a question about JB in regards to his accolades. He obviously almost made the all-star team this past season. Do we think he's more than likely to make the all-star game this season? And what do we think is his ceiling in regards to accolades, honors? Can he make first team, second team, third team, most improved even? He obviously has a lot more respect post-FIBA in the media. What do we think is the ceiling for him in regards to honors? I'll hang up and listen.
1: The best part of that for anybody who's listening and not watching is the, uh, shout out to David Footenuck. thought he had uh, a little Tykes basketball hoop in the background. <laughs> he, just, he just jammed. Uh, same, same one that's right right outside my office there. Um, this is a good one. Yeah. What What are, you,
2: what are your thoughts yeah. on ceiling here for, for Jalen Brunson? Yeah, shout out to David first and foremost, man. Been a while. Definitely good to see him. Um, as far as ceiling... I do think he can make the all-star team in this Agreed. upcoming season if he has a similar or better season. I just feel like his his profile has been elevated, not just by his first full season as a starter with the Knicks on a big stage, proving that he can hang with the best of them and really lead this team to 47 wins, second round in the playoffs and being the biggest part of it. And then you see him on the Team USA stage, how much respect Steve Kerr has for him, his teammates. I just feel like playing on that national stage, playing for Team USA is going to continue to elevate his profile. You y- can't disrespect him in two years in a row. He- he's going to deserve that as far as, you know, all NBA ceiling. I, I'm not so sure about first team. I think you know that's certainly going to be reserved for elite talent. But third team is third team is third team attainable? I think it is. Absolutely. I, I think
1: third team is. I mean, look at. I don't want to. I'm not naming any names. Yeah, in, in, including of maybe of that we just talked about a few minutes ago. You can make All NBA and uh, if you have a really good season and if a yeah. few things break right, you could even make All NBA second team. Like you said. First team is a little bit like there haven't been that many guys that make first team that aren't like true. No doubt about it. All timer. Yeah. Uh, There's a few exceptions. Like, you know, things happen occasionally. Uh, I, you know what I want to see? I, my, my personal, like my, my, my high point for him is if there was ever a year where he is like a genuine, part of the MVP conversation. And I say that in just that way, do I think he will ever win? Of course, I don't think he's ever going to win MVP or even finish second or third, but like, you know, I go back to Walt Frazier. uh, I don't know why that's the first thing that came to my mind, but like, the year the Knicks won their first championship, when Willis Reed won MVP, Walt Frazier finished fourth in the voting that year because mm-hmm. the Knicks were just the best team. And everybody realized like Reed was the he was the the guy in the middle. He was the one who, who you know made it all work. But Frazier was pretty darn important, too. Yeah, I, You know, could, can Brunson, you know, maybe he's not even the guy who gets the most votes on his team. Maybe that's what it would take for the Knicks to be the best team in the league. I'm not talking about this next year or even maybe the year after that. But at some point. Could he be fourth, fifth, sixth in the in the running for MVP, where he really gets that league wide, you know, uh, um, attention as being like
2: that important of a figure? That's that's what I would say. I think it's certainly possible, but when when you look at the the past MVPs, right? Uh, I mean, there's a level of elite that is just a cut above the rest right whether it's as a two-way player or it's you know jokic with his triple doubles and and really just impacting his team offense to win yeah, it to score to win it to win, to win it. it yeah so i mean but for him to crack that top four top three that's what i'm saying like
1: could is it would it shock you if at some point during his career he finished fourth you know like behind like let, yeah. like there's a there's a jokic Giannis. You know, in b type race, yeah, and then Brunson slots in for like that. I could see that happening yeah. as a again. We're talking ceiling, right? That's what the question yeah. is. Ceiling.
2: so Hey, si- similar like. to similar to Carmelo in twenty twelve. that's I would man.
1: He was a he was was he in it that year? I mean, it was LeBron's award,
2: right? It was I LeBron. mean, far and away, right? LeBron it was LeBron won
1: far and away. He was he was on the list.
2: He was on the list.
1: They were, I mean, there were people who really talked... I'm sure Andrew talked himself into it.
3: <coughs> I did I talked nobody into it, sir, first and foremost. And I think the other part of this that is how Jalen Brunson's case actually gets stronger for me is he played 68 games last year. And I have no idea how much the 65 game qualification is going to matter in far as far as players are concerned. But if you go by last year, he... um. He would be more eligible than Dame Lillard, who made All NBA. He would be more eligible than uh, I think another guard that made it. That uh, uh, Steph made it, didn't he? That's Steph, right? Yeah. So, like, just the qualification of playing sixty-five games alone, in my mind, yeah, um, gives games. him an, because it's the That's Knicks, and we're just going to have guys that play at least sixty-five games make All NBA. Well, what, what we don't know
1: is how much this sixty-five game thing is going to impact whether and like you again for Dame, you mentioned Dame, he didn't play the record amount of games because his team yeah. told him to go yeah. take his take yeah, his he, ball and sit down for a while.
3: Very true. I wonder we'll if- see. His team might do that this year, from game two, game three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knows what happens? Um, all righty, Next up, hey John CP. Here's a casual question from one of the casual crew. Do you guys think that Emmanuel quickly sixth man of the year candidacy from last year is legitimate, and that he will be one of the front runners this year, or do you have your doubts, a little bit skeptical, and do you think that he's due for a bit of a regression this year? Thanks, guys.
1: I here's the funny thing. I'm not even sure what a regression from Emmanuel quickly would look like, right? Because I don't know. I should know his numbers off the top of my head. I don't, but like he didn't shoot crazy good last year, right? Like I know he he went through a hotter stretch after starting very cold, but in the, in the totality of his season, his shooting wasn't crazy. And like, to me, the value of Emmanuel quickly is the fact that all the things that he does well, you just feel like they're built into his day after day after day after day, yeah. it's not some that his consistency really. I mean, you could argue
2: it's his best quality, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he did take a step up in the mid range. Absolutely, free yes. throws are. Eh. But I mean, as a two way player, it it was as legit as it comes. I I think Emmanuel Quickly certainly established himself as one of the best role players in the entire NBA. And yeah, some people, based on the advanced metrics, wanted to give it to him over Brogdon. And, you know, maybe some people also thought that the the 20 plus game started might have disqualified him a little bit. But look, I I thought Quickly was was certainly one of the best in the league. And he showed it, whether you're looking at the stats or the eye test. Can he repeat that? I think that's left to be seen, right? Uh, you have the addition of DiVincenzo here, the subtraction of OB. How does the bench play together? I, I like Quickly and DiVincenzo and Hart out there. I think they're going to be dynamic, especially on the defensive end. But the minutes in the rotation, how, fourth quarter, what is it that, that going to look like? Now, Quickly has shown over his the past three years, he's Tibbs' guy, right? He's been one of the most trusted, most reliable uh, pieces to play in that fourth quarter for Tibbs. But how does the DiVincenzo acquisition, how does Hart come in on a full year, new contract? How does that impact things? Does Quentin Grimes take another leap? So we're going to have to see what Quickly's minutes are going to look like uh, as a reserve for right now to, to better determine whether or not he can maintain that pace.
1: Yeah. the It's funny. The addition of, of DiVincenzo as just, another guy that Tibbs can look at, and at least if he's having a good game, because we know what he does on the court. We know he does a lot of the things that Tibbs seems to like. Yeah. Um, just another guy for a Tibbs to think about as, is this a guy who should be on the, one of my last five players on the floor. Right. right? And like you figure, yeah, they removed Obi, but I don't think Obi was in many of those considerations for yeah. Tibbs last season. So really it, I, I, and I'm not saying Quick is going to close a lot fewer games. I'm not saying that at all. But his, uh, his the fact that he was part of the closing five, I think, was a big thing in a lot of voters' minds. Where it's like, okay, he doesn't start, but is he one of New York's five best players? Absolutely. And, yeah. and I think there was an argument that he was maybe even their third best player last year. Um, if he's not that automatic closer anymore, let's say that. If he's not that automatic closer anymore, I wonder if that's going to make... It more of an uphill battle. And it's almost like um, uh, I'm thinking of like an Oscar, a, a great movie that has a ton of great performances where you get like two or three actors who are actually up for like best supporting or something and they cancel each other out. And then the guy from like some other movie wins. I could, I wonder if that sort of thing might end up happening next year, specifically in terms of like a six man of the year type of thing.
3: Wouldn't shock me. Just want to quickly say shout out to Mensa. That was Mensa Smith. Absolutely. Are, for those who didn't. Uh, Thank you, Mensa. Yeah. So those who didn't recognize the voice listening on the podcast
5: next up, John CP love this annual crossover. Love that I get to contribute to it because I have a question. I have a burning question. I'm going to get right to it. You guys know, I read everything out there about the Knicks. The athletic just put out a piece where they ranked the Knicks center group, the center room, the 23rd best in the NBA, bottom 10 behind Orlando behind Houston. Um, Where do you guys rank the Knicks center group? I would say top 10 is more realistic than bottom 10. Am I wrong? Is the athletic right? Other way around? What's going on with your guys' opinion on that? I think the playoffs showed us a lot from Hartenstein against Miami, from Robinson, and Hartenstein against Cleveland. Curious for your guys' thoughts. Thanks for taking my question.
1: So it just occurred to me. Chris Percian, and I've known him for, I think, four years. His voice gets deeper every year. (laughs) He's still. Broke. I'm, I'm fearful of what, of what he's going to sound like when he's like, forget like 50 when he's like 28.
5: Yeah, yeah.
3: You know, he's uh, gonna sound like he's gonna sound like Mufasa when we do this next. Exactly year. what he's gonna sound like.
2: Yeah. Uh, shout out to Chris, man. He's he's gonna be the next rising star out of Fordham, man. He's on the grind. He's everywhere. I uh, just saw him a couple of weeks ago at Fordham, and so uh, yeah. Shout out to Chris, man. Doing great work. Chris is all about the grind
1: and he sounds like it. So that's, that's good. Uh, man, centers, center rotations. My So th- w- there was behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, we, there was a, a few texts sent about the Knicks placement on, uh, that again, again, that's not, that is not the athletics list. That is one writer on the athletic who ranked the Knicks center duo. Uh, who was it? By the way, was it Harper? No, it, I so I thought it was. Uh, yeah. it was sounded like it come from him. Uh, I'll look it up. I'll look it yeah. up. Right. It's it's not someone that I I am that familiar with, although I'm sure yeah. it's very accomplished. Mm-hmm. When I when I saw that, I was like, look, my inclination is to say that they're somewhere in the high teens, meaning like eleven, twelve, thirteen, 12, 13, somewhere in that range. Um at the, and that specifically because there's they they are so low usage in the Knicks offensive scheme. And specifically, I'm talking about Mitch because we know Harden could do more. We've seen him do with Clippers. But because Mitch is so limited in one... In not one specific area, in just what what he can do offensively compared to other centers, and his skill set is so directly involved with offensive rebounds, putbacks, and obviously rim protection on the other end, and pick and roll, protect, the whole thing. Um, I could at least see an argument if someone wanted to look at the center position in just so, such a way. Could you say that they're like below fifteen? Maybe, maybe if you really, really try to talk me into it. That said, it feels like they're probably a little bit outside the top 10 for me. I, I mean, we could go through teams, but off top of your head, what, what yeah. do you have them?
2: Way higher than what the athletic has. I felt like that was more of a conversation piece. I got to put them 10 to 15. Top 10, 15 at the lowest. Lowest. Because when you think about how this offense flowed, yes, it's it's heavy isolation. And a lot of that is is Brunson and Randall are doing what they do best. But when you consider how well they've been able to offensive rebound in this league, not just this year, but for years while Mitch has been there at an elite level, it's a staple of their offense. Their ability to get second chance opportunities is super critical for the way that they operate. And so. To have that type of skill set, that's just on the offensive side. We know what he brings defensively as a rim protector, as a guy out there that can provide some versatility in in pick and roll coverage. I think he's just super important to how they operate as a team. Yes, they have weaknesses. and, And yes, the spacing can be compromised with Mitch, but I just think he's way too important for this team. And then for Hartenstein, okay, for the first half of the year, he wasn't good. The second half, I thought he locked in. You saw more plays being run through him more of those backdoor cuts, more of him operating from the nail defensively. uh, He certainly held it down. That was one of his weaknesses coming over from the Clippers was his ability to defensive rebound. And late in the season, when you saw Mitch kind of lumbering to the finish line, it was Hartenstein that was in there for critical moments. Closing games. Closing games. Go back to that last West Coast trip where he had to tangle with, Sabonis and Nurkic and all those guys, and then come back to the garden, go up against Jokic in, in the closing minutes. But you know, Mitch did finish that game as well. I just thought at the end, near the second half, Tibbs really had the option of going with one or the other, and the Knicks still fared well in those games. I feel like both those guys are way too important to the team. Low usage, as you said, but um I'm putting them top 10, 15 at the lowest. I just
1: I, again, I literally did a 60 second scan of the standings going through team by team. I'd probably have him eleventh or twelfth. I think there's an argument for ten. Um it, and again, just to be very clear, like you if you're discount the fact that Mitchell Robinson is either the first or second best center in the league at a very important skill set, offensive rebounding and and putbacks, which by the way, the Knicks have built their entire offense around that particular skill. And then uh, the combination of rim protection and being able to corral a pick and roll again, as well as, I don't know, there are five centers that could corral a pick and roll better than him. I don't even know if there's five. I I don't think that there is. Um, Those are, those are two, elite skill sets at either end of the floor. You know, if you're gonna discount that because you say this is a player who you you really can't reliably like throw the ball to six feet from the basket and trust that he's gonna do something with, I yeah. hear that. And if you want to look at, you know, I guess offense a certain way, maybe there's an argument. But I don't I would I would say eleven or twelve, I think. Yeah. They're they're really good.
2: Yeah, I I can see that. You know, from an offensive potential standpoint, they're not really there. But if you're gonna put Allen and Mobley up there at the top of the tops, and these guys smoked them in the playoffs, absolutely smoked them. I mean, <laughs> you can expect that, man.
1: Yeah, and that and I think that's what probably aggravated a lot of Knicks fans as it yeah. should. You cannot put the guys that were thoroughly outplayed eighth, and then put the guys that thoroughly outplayed them twenty third, right? There can't be 15 spots different Too big of a gap. Good was, question, Chris.
3: That was Law Murray of the uh, Athletic. That oh, Law that. Murray, okay. And to our friend Fred Katz, or on behalf of our friend, friend Fred Katz, who is not uh, taking a direct shot at his colleague, but just wants to reiterate, uh, it's not the Athletics rankings, and it is huh. just that one person. The so Athletic funny. had there was Athletic on Athletic uh, uh, crime, or just back and forth this week between the Anthony Edwards. Uh, op eds yeah. that were yeah. he should move to a bigger market, and then the response of 8%. actually, no, he shouldn't move to a bigger market. <laughs> that was interesting. He should do whatever
1: he wants to do, nobody <laughs> needs to write about it. Like, what's gonna happen is gonna happen. It's ridiculous. I think he should go to the Knicks, but that's just <laughs> I, w-
3: I will write that next. I'll write that next, please. Actually, he should go to the Knicks. <laughs> yes. How's
1: that? Anthony Edwards, come to New York. My column. Here we go. Hey there, Knicks fans. It's your boy, Jonathan Macri. You've been hearing me talk about Barry and his team over at the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum for almost a year now. It's a partnership I'm very proud to be a part of because as a former personal injury attorney myself and a Knicks fan, I know the difference that a great legal team can make. Barry has been at this for over 35 years and has informed me that since the 2023 Knicks season ended, he has resolved cases in the amounts of $1.4, $1.5, $1.75, and $3.75 million, as well as obtaining winning results on many less significant cases. Just like the great basketball franchises, Weiss and Rosenblum's long track record of sustained excellent results speak for themselves. Visit them at WeissandRosenblum.com today and explore for yourself, or better yet, give Barry a call at 212. 212- 366 6100, where he will offer a consultation on your possible matter completely free of charge, as well as chat about the upcoming Knicks season, as he has been a rabid fan for over 50 years. You know the tagline if you think you might have a case, talk to a veteran attorney, not a rookie. No case is too big or too small. That number again is 212 366 6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. Next up
4: Hello, Knicks Film School. Hello, Jonathan Macri. Hello, Andrew, Claudio, and friends. Schmelk here. All right, I have a question about RJ Barrett. During the playoffs, John, you were effusive with your praise for RJ, how well he played and some of the things he started to do a little bit better. Yet when we get to the end of the postseason and you look at the aggregate numbers, you know, maybe there's some slight improvement, but it really doesn't differ that much from what he's done before in terms of efficiency numbers, specifically on offense. Now, not everything is reflected in numbers, and I think he was a better decision maker in the playoffs. But at the same time, we've seen RJ go through different streaks of good. And then bad play in his career. He's great for a couple weeks. Then he reverts back. So my question is, why do you hate R.J. Barrett? I'm sorry. Uh, My question is, do you think R.J. Barrett really turned a corner in the playoffs? Or do you think this is just a continuation of his kind of good play, bad play and streakiness we've seen uh, during his career? Or has he really turned the corner and is ready to become uh, maybe
3: an all star caliber player? Macri, what do you think, John so, Schmilk of NewYorkTimes We should say, yeah. Real yeah, quick, I want tough. to clarify. We want to clarify that I sent him the request. I think I left out the part that it was a crossover, so he sent his love to you too. Yeah, half of him. Just making sure. That's
1: my guy, man. Absolutely, you're bad. I had to get Crow Crowen Barrett <laughs> Junior for this one. I he, he has a literal perch now above my. <laughs> <laughs> my desk and my new setup here. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, he's so RJ's had some really nice moments in FIBA so far, um, and yet he's also had some some not so great moments. I, to me, the thing that made the playoffs so special was for eight games there. If we're throwing out the first two against Cleveland, right? And we're yeah. throwing out the last game against Miami because nobody played well in that game except for Jalen Brunson. Um, it, I, you could argue it was the most consistent eight game stretch of his career from like a, a whole, like the perspective of his whole of his whole game coming together, and it came at the most critical juncture of his career. Yeah. So when you combine those two things, I think that's why I was really drinking the Kool Aid and. You know, has he been a different player in FIBA? No, he's been inconsistent. But again, like the good has been really good and it's come at really
2: impo- at really important times. I agree. Um, you know, the first two games against Cleveland were pretty bad, pretty, pretty bad. Uh, game six against Miami equally. But as you said, that stretch in between. He was the second best player on the team, hands Without down. Without question. And you saw him making great reads. He continued to be aggressive. He was finishing at the hoop. That was the RJ that you wanted to see. I just don't buy that he's turned a court. It was a great moment. It was a fantastic moment for him. And you love to see it. I, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it, man, because uh, he's just been so inconsistent. We've seen it in in FIBA. He's had his good games and he's had his, his woeful games. Um well, what is your
1: definition of turning a corner, though? Because yeah. for me, I'm not ruling out that he could ever make an all-star team. Look, yeah. it, crazy, crazy things have happened. But to me, for for RJ, turning a corner would just mean being a guy I could look forward to watching on a given night and feeling positive about what I'm likely yeah. to get, which is not a feeling I have. The, have had thus far, like to me, that's what turning a corner is. Do you think he could do that, where it, where the consistently consistency
2: gets to a level that you you're okay with? See, that's that's the key word. It, it's it, it's the only word, <laughs> right? It's the consistency because if he's going to be playing off of Jalen, if he's going to be playing off of Julius in off ball situations, can he knock down those open threes, those corner threes that you're going to need him to knock down? Again, is there an intermediate been saying it for the last three, four years? Is there an intermediate jumper that he can rely on where it's not just I'm going to jam it down your throat going left, which, you know, I'm going to do. And and if if he's going to do that, can he make a play? Can he find an open man? Can he find somebody on the weak side? Which he was doing well in the playoffs in that Very stretch. Well. But then there's other times where it's just like head down, tunnel vision. I got to get myself going because I've been bricking from outside. So I got to force it inside to get some going. And then sometimes he gets into trouble there. I'm just not convinced yet that those woes are are fully behind him. I, I just think he's just going to have those stretches or those games where it's going to be nightmares from from an efficiency standpoint. And he's going to have other ones where he's looking good. He gets his eight attempts from from the free throw line. He's knocking down six. He's got his 24 and, and the team wins. But I, I just don't see him really being efficient. So it's, it's just hard to say that he's turned the corner. I
1: I want to see more. I'm with you. Give me. I, lo- I love the intermediate range jumper. Give me 37 and percent from three. Yeah, not even 37% give me 37.5% yeah. from 3 on open catch and shoots. Right. Give me that and give me the decision making on drives that we saw during the playoffs. Give me those two things, I will be the happiest man alive if you give me those two things. That's it. Dur-
2: during the uh, I forgot which game is one of the early games when the when the FIBA tournament uh, kicked off and I don't even know who the announcer was. But there was a stretch where he just saw it. RJ was just really just forcing it and just getting Canada out of the flow that they were in. And the announcer was just like, he's got to slow it down and just take what the defense is giving him. He doesn't have to do too much. You have guys that are hot on this team. He was just kind of getting them out of that flow. And it just made me go back to a comment that Tibbs had early in the regular season last year. It was all for one of RJ's good games. And Tip said the same thing. It's like, listen, take what the defense gives you. Don't try to do too much. Don't try to play hero ball and let the game come to you. And I think that's what our part of what RJ needs to do to be a consistent player for this team. The game tells you what to do.
1: And it, there's hope because I feel like, you know, who's gotten like, I, I don't know if I'm being too optimistic here. I felt like Julius Randle got a little bit better at that last year, letting the game come to him. Now, I think that may have been the Jalen Brunson effect, but yeah. I think it could happen. And again, RJ, we always say it, he's still relatively, relatively young. So, Which the haters hate to hear. They <laughs> they hate to
5: hear.
1: I, according to many, I'm a, I am am the <laughs> primo <laughs> hater, which I,
3: I'm, not, I'm really not. Neither of you answered the question. What was the why do you hate rj barry (laughs) that was that was for john that was for john that was that That was jack so john what we'll just we'll never know (laughs) this is this is my kanye (laughs) moment i guess we'll never know okay next up
6: what's good guys what's up j mac what's up cp good to talk to you guys about some knicks basketball makes me excited and knicks basketball is right around the corner it's a good time for us to talk about some hoops but I had a question for you guys and I want to talk about the Knicks playoff chances because I think a lot of people have the Knicks penciled in as a playoff team in the Eastern Conference but where can they finish last year they finished with the fifth seed can they get a top four seed can they get home court advantage in the first round and the question I have is how much of that and where they finish depends on them getting off to a good start their first 10 games they have 10 games in 19 days three back-to-backs in that stretch so how important is it for them to get off to a good start? And also, in that span, how important is it for one of the guys that I think some people want to see make a leap, whether it's R.J. Barrett, whether it's Quentin Grimes, how important is it for those guys in particular to get off to a good start? So with the Knicks playoff chances, how much of that is tied into them getting off to a good start in the 2023-2024 NBA season?
1: CP, I don't know about you, I get listen to Dexter Henry talk all day. He could talk, yeah. he could read... Like ingredients on a on the side of a.
2: Somebody <laughs> buy at supermarket. Do do big moves on SNY and, and he's fit for it. He's fit for it. Shout out to Dexter for sure. Uh, Multi part
1: question there. Uh, yeah. Well, let's start with uh, ceiling. Do you, I could see them getting home court. Can you? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah um, I can see them getting four. Yeah, I mean the East. I think the East. I don't want to say it's fluid, but like. I think there's room, there's wiggle room for sure. You know, from from the top all the way on down. The hot, the start is an interesting one. I, what was your reaction when you looked at the schedule? At first, because I know I'm sure yeah. like like me and like all of us, when when the schedule first came out, you were looking. and, and Yeah. Y-
2: yeah. You try to predict. Um, yeah, right. What 10, by, 10 games by 10 games. Yeah. I forgot what I had for the first 10. I forgot me and Alex went through the went through the exercise. I think I had them close to about 500 through the first 10. There are definitely some tough games on, on the docket there. Um, But, you know, as Dexter said, I, I don't think they can afford a slow start even though last year things really came together after the 10 and 13 start i got to figure that they're going to come in with way more chemistry you hope that the divincenzo edition it gives them a, a little bit of a lift but overall as you said the, the east is very fluid i think philadelphia is burning Without Harden, I'm, I don't I don't fear them whatsoever. Uh, the Celtics have questions in terms of Porzingis' durability. You, you know, the whole thing is on Brown and Tatum to lead this team. They're still going to be a good team. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Milwaukee, to me, will be the bellwether. They will be at the top. To and, me, yeah. Celtics, I would put, you know, one or two. And then after that, I think it's a crapshoot, man. I don't see... Miami being that team again, if they don't get Dame, we heard from years now that Jimmy Butler, yeah, he doesn't even put in the work until after the all-star break. So I don't think they'll, they'll be where they are, where they were rather. The Nets are the Nets. Um, Cleveland, does Cleveland take another step up? They added Drew off the bench and a couple other guys there. Look, I, as you said, I, I think we can get home court. I, I think fourth, I'm comfortable with saying the Knicks can get the fourth seed. Can I agree? I
1: I haven't really done the exercise yet. I have a feeling I will not be predicting them to get a top four seed. Yeah. Just to for anybody who may have forgotten or may not have looked, those first ten games: Boston home, at Atlanta, at New Orleans, at Cleveland, Cleveland at home to back to yeah. back against the Cavs, at Milwaukee. It's gonna be fun. Clippers home, Spurs home, Charlotte home, and then at Boston. Those are the first 10 other than San Antonio and Charlotte at home. um, You know, like those are all real. Those are all very, very real games Yeah, Uh, where you figure early in the season, no one's going through it yet. Everybody's still putting their best foot forward. Like those are going to be tight. You figure those are all going to be tight, tight games. Right. And you know, that scares you a little bit. The Knicks were a, a they were a good fourth quarter team last year. They were a good crunch time team. Obviously, Jalen Brunson was yeah. a very good crunch time player. But like, I'm I'll tell you right now, man. If you give me five and five through those first ten, find me where I sign off on five and five through those first ten. I'll t- I'll just say that right now, because at least if you get through the first ten at five and five, and I and to answer the question, I do think it's important. Cause I do, I don't know that for as much as this team accomplished last year and for as, as much as, you know, Brunson has elevated their, their culture and their core and all that stuff. I don't know that I could put them on a pedestal to the point where it's like, you know, if the nuggets got off to a three, right, seven score, we would be that. like, it's the nuggets, right? Yeah. Um, very few. And, and I'm I'm not saying like all oh, the Knicks aren't at that level. There, I don't know that there are three teams in that level mm-hmm. at this point in the entire league. I don't think the Knicks are there. If the Knicks got off to some crazy bad start, two and eight, three and seven, I think it would cause a lot of, uh, my favorite word consternation. Sure. Uh, so again, uh, start off five and five or better. Uh, so you get, uh, you know, you, 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 breathe easy and then you, you go from there.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I I'm, I'm with you. I'm not sure if, if they're good enough to overcome, Another tough start or or, you know, one of those brutal stretches like they did last year. You just every year is different. You can't count on that. And and they're not at that level where, like you said, a Nuggets may be able to overcome that or or one of the more elite teams in the NBA. As far as the player that you would hope takes the leap. Yeah. Who's making the leap? I'm curious who your guy is. I don't know that I have an obvious one in my mind. So I feel like if, if you look at the young guys, right. Mitch, I feel like Mitch's ceiling is is kind of defined on on this team right now. He's limited skill set offensively. They don't run plays for him. It's just he is who he is. But at the same time, a a huge contributor to this team. IQ, I mean, having played at an NBA six man of the year level, is there another level for him to get to? That's left to be seen. Again, minutes will certainly play a factor in that. RJ, as we just talked about, I still think the inconsistency is gonna is gonna hit him. Do I see him taking another big leap? Like another leap for me for RJ is like borderline all star, like a guy okay. that you can truly consider in that conversation. He might not make it, but somebody who should be in that conversation. I don't think he he necessarily gets there. So for me, it's Grimes. It it's it, 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 it's, it's Grimes for me defensively, you know, he's going to be there. One of the best in the league by the numbers, by the eye test, he's there, but offensively, it's still going to be tricky. Like there's no guarantees. He's almost my answer by default, but is there, you know, we, we see these, we saw these flashes from him last year as a playmaker, as a quick decision maker, putting the ball on the floor, the way he attacks closeouts. He did still shoot 38% from the field during the regular season. Like, is there a little bit more offense there if he makes have the right reads, if his team trusts him and if he does, as many say in year three and beyond, have the game come to him and the game slows down where he gets more comfortable with what he's doing out there.
1: I completely agree with you that Grimes on, on, its, on his face is the obvious answer. Yeah. And yet it's funny you say that. because I was just, I was working on a, a Quentin Grimes newsletter because I'm doing like player previews for the for the Knicks Film School newsletter for over the course of the next month. There were somewhere in the 30s, about 35 players, uh, wings, as categorized by cleaning the glass, uh, that played at least 1,500 minutes last regular season. Quentin Grimes had the third lowest usage rate mm-hmm. of those 35 wings to play at least 1,500 minutes. Um, Corey Kispert and Isaac Accor were the only ones that were were lower mm-hmm. than him. In, uh, in a starting lineup with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle and RJ Man, Barry, and RJ. I ju- like, what does a leap look like for him where he's not taking more shots? And if he's taking a bunch more shots, like, who, who's giving up their yeah. shots to a cop? Mitch can't give up any shots. He's taking it. Right. You know? So it's like, I, for me, I think that's why here I'm going to throw a bone to all the people who think I hate RJ. I'll, I'll say RJ. I, mm. I and and part of that is yes because I think he's the shots will be there for RJ um, because that's just what happens you know that's the role he has here and that's um, and again I, I, let me give him credit that's the role he has here because he can get off those shots mm. that's what he shows he could do he could get downhill anytime he wants he could get a decent yeah. shot off at the rim anytime he wants um, I hope it, I I think for this team to make the sort of leap that a lot of Knicks fans think maybe they can make. I actually think that leap needs to come from RJ. I'm not yes. sure if it could come from anywhere else yeah. for them to make again, like that significant yeah. leap with this roster without any star trade.
2: So. Yeah. It, it has to come from RJ. It definitely has to come from RJ. Um, I just have Grimes as the default, but it's also important whether it's Grimes or it's RJ, it's IQ, it's important for the trajectory of this team because you, oh, can't, re- you can't rely on that this guy's coming to the next, that guy. We've been hearing it for 10 years. <laughs> so if the guy doesn't come, your young players have to help you get somewhere. Is It's not going to be a draft pick. Low chance. It's going to be a draft pick for them in the, the high 20s as his team looks right now. So it has to be of Grimes. It's got to be Grimes, RJ or IQ. One of those three guys has to take that leap if this team doesn't look to get considerably better out there on the trade market in the, in the coming years. Which I have a
1: funny feeling they will still do regardless of what any of
3: those three players do yeah. this year. Uh, Andrew, who we got next? Before I officially go to the next, to our last two, oh, okay. um, can I hold your feet through the fire? and Mine? Sure. Both of you. Both yeah. of you. Yeah. I think I've gotten yours already, John. Yeah. But CP. I have no more feet. My feet are gone. They're your top, top six as of right now, if you were to predict it for the NBA, for the Eastern Conference playoffs, will be. For the East. Top this six. This is in this hypothetical, yeah. never not realistic world where yeah. no trades happen. So okay, you know, just as as the rosters are currently constructed yeah. in the NBA. Everybody reports the camp as is. What's your one through six? Top six. Alright, so I'm going to go box number one.
2: Obviously, health. Health for everybody, right? So, mm-hmm. I'll go box oh. one. I'll go Celtics two.
3: Three? That's the one. That's the one we're all kind of like, huh? <laughs> you can talk yourself into it. <sighs> yes, man.
2: I'll give it to Cleveland, man. I don't really want to give it to Cleveland, but I'll give it to Cleveland, man. CP took really my to, my top three in the order I have. I don't really want to. Four have the Knicks. I got the Knicks fourth. I'm comfortable saying that I have the Knicks fourth. I get Miami five. Mm. I don't want to get Brooklyn five. Wow, really? Wow. I'm I'm yeah.
1: high on Brooklyn. I yeah. I really like this Brooklyn team. I like the way the roster is constructed. Yeah. I don't obviously I don't love the fact that Spencer Dinwiddie and Ben Simmons are their like lead playmakers, but uh, yeah. I do like them a lot. I, it would not shock me if they were in the top six. I'll say that. Yeah.
2: I, uh, yeah. I'll put, you know what? I'll put the Nets at five and I'll put Miami
3: at six. Wow. So you yeah. have, you have James Harden really torpedoing the Philly situation. So, but, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah. I love I the think That's going to be a nightmare, man. Here, here's where
1: I'll differ. I, until Joel Embiid is no longer on the Philadelphia 76ers, I'm I'm keep I'm keeping the Sixers in fourth. Um and I'll put the Knicks in fifth and for I can't shake the feeling that I think the Hawks are going to be pretty decent this year, but I'll I'll, I'll put, go Miami six. Um but yeah, you you could tell me again, you could tell me the Knicks are third. You tell me the Knicks are second. You could tell me the Knicks are seventh. Would believe either. And but I could say that for The only team that it would shock me if they were not in the top three is Milwaukee. Yeah. Would it shock me if Boston wasn't in the top three? I don't
2: know if it would. I don't know if it would shock me. It would surprise me a lot. Look, I like a max EMB ticket. I just don't see that team being that much without Harden. And I hope you're right. So you don't. And if if MB misses time, Oh. which mm. you can pencil in
1: then they're really screwed you know what the funniest thing about the Harden thing is every nba person because there's nothing else to talk about has logged their opinion most of oh. which have logged their opinion multiple times over the last you know month and change no one can make a prediction on what is going to happen yeah because look like what like what <laughs> nobody knows nobody yeah. has any idea
2: yeah. Well, the one thing I guess you can count on is more going to sit and wait if he needs to sit and wait. right? He showed you that with Ben Simmons. So I, th- I think the ball is in James Harden's court. For some reason, he thinks it's, uh, you know, five, six years ago when he was at the top of the sport. Uh, I don't see h- him finding many suitors for his services at this point in, in his uh, in his career. Uh, note to young NBA players. This is why you hire an
1: agent. Huh. I know it. James Harden has yeah. saved himself some dollars over the years because yeah. he doesn't have to pay that 10%. He's a, I, he, we're going to look back and he may have cost himself nine
3: figures when all this is said and done. So oh, neither here nor there. Uh, next question. Real quick, talk about a, and interesting back-to-back playoff experiences for the Knicks. If they go from, we didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell and then we eliminated uh, Donovan Mitchell yeah. and then a playoff series against Joel Embiid with the potential Embiid trade request looming, oh you know, we could put a, a thorn, we could put a, a dagger through the heart of the, the Philly run in the process all in one, one like three week stretch. But if, if things go as poorly as some CP, you seem to think, and others Yeah,
1: you're not alone to be very clear. A lot of people seem to think this thing could, could sink in fast. We, as, as you alluded to, our, I think, on our recent Patreon, Andrew, we may not have to wait till next summer for an Embiid
3: uh, trade request. Very true. Very true. Okay. Two more, and I think you guys are really going to like this next one. All right. Okay. Jonathan, CP, if you guys had Tom
2: Thibodeau on the podcast, what would you ask him? Thibodeau has put up with a lot of my nonsense over the years. So I'm curious if you had the Nick head coach on your shows, what's the one question you would want to throw at him? And also if you're Thibodeau, how do you allot minutes this season between Dante DiVincenzo and Quentin Grimes, who gets more minutes, who gets fewer minutes. Curious to hear your thoughts on that one. Thanks. Who is that guy?
1: (laughs) (laughs) If there's a Nick fan who does like Ian Bagley, obviously, if there's a Nick fan who doesn't recognize that voice at this point, I mean, what are you doing? Um, I would have to catch my breath before Tom. If, if Tom Thibodeau appeared on a screen before me, yes. and I got to have a one-on-one with him, um, I, I think I would hyperventilate. I, I would really. That, that would that would be a moment for me. Uh, man, what would I ask him?
3: What Andrew? Just the the thought that you've had Jeremy Lin on the pod, you've had Zach Lowe. On the pod, is, yeah, is Tibbs your, uh, uh, your number one right now? As far as is, guests are no, pa,
1: pa, listen, my number one in terms of who I would like a quiver in fear at the sight of them and not be able to say words is Pat Riley. Um, yeah, another, coach, yeah. another coach, yeah, after Riley. And it doesn't matter if he, if Tibbs is still the coach or if he retires, I just have so much respect for Tom. I I, I truly don't know that I'd be able to have a coaching conversation, but I would try. Uh,
3: Uh, CP, your number one as of right now is who, as far as like the bucket list guest, um, Carmelo. Really? Are you you Carmelo? I'm I'm
1: surprised you haven't gotten Carmelo already.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Carmelo. Carmelo's definitely, definitely at the top. Top of us. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, Man, well, well, let's take
1: these one at a time because those are yeah. great questions. Uh, what would I ask Tibbs? I so the tough part is like, is Tibbs the Knicks coach when I'm interviewing? Because then, like, a lot of the stuff that I'd be really interested in finding out, he he wouldn't be able to give me. Assuming I could get genuine answers, yeah, I would want, I would only want to know, like, I would focus the entire conversation. Actually, I would sp- split split 50 fifty fifty. I would just want to talk about him as like a person. What does he like to do on a Friday night when he's like, it, like the Friday night in the middle of August or something when he, there, there's literally no film he could look like, like, what does a, what is a, what does a night look like for Tom Thibodeau? Where does he want to go eat? Who does he want to hang out with? What is he drinking? You,
3: you know, know, he's watching film right now, right?
1: <laughs> I, I'm sure he is. Um, and then I would just like want to know his full, I would basically, you know what I would do? Here's how I would structure it. I would go through the top 10 criticisms of him from most Nick fans levied at him over the last three years. And I'd be like, this is what has happened. Here's what people say in response to the thing that has happened. When I look at it, maybe it's just because I'm, I'm glass head full guy, wherever he's concerned, but like, this is what I'm thinking. What were you thinking? You
2: know, and, and that I would kind of try to structure an interview like that. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I, I would definitely I like that approach. You know, I, I would definitely go with that approach. Um, one thing I would ask him on, on along that line is that athletic poll, right? Where it said like <laughs> a couple years ago, maybe two years ago, maybe where he was voted as a coach sure. that players would least want to play for, right? What what what's his reaction to that and why does he think that is? Um, but my main question to him would be his thoughts. On the offense and his philosophy on the offense, uh, based on the people we speak to, it seems like that's primarily his role, right? That does, you know, does he have a designated offensive coordinator? Doesn't seem so, but I would want to know what, what is his offensive philosophy? What is he thinking there? Yes, the team finished third in the league and offense during the regular season, but is that type of offense sustainable in the postseason? What happens when you guys are kept off the glass and you're not getting the second chance opportunities? What happens when your isolation scorers aren't able to score, when the defense is grinding down and the game slows down in the half court, where you're not getting fast break opportunities? What is his philosophy there? How does he adjust? Because what we've seen is that when you look at, The the final four in most years, a lot of the times, yes, the makeup may be different. The stars may be different. But a lot of those times, those teams are elite at moving the ball. They're near the tops of the league in passing assists, assist percentage, any 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 type of passing category you want to look at those teams that are that finish in the final four, the true contenders. They're up there. They move the ball. They find easy buckets. They're constantly moving. So that's what I would want to ask him is like, does he feel like the personnel's not there yet? Or is it scheme wise that they're just not implementing enough? I, I think that that would be my question I, uh, for tips. I would wager a donut
1: that the words rim read would be included somewhere in his answer. Um, and just if I, if I, I'll give one specific, I do, I am curious because he said at every coaching stop, whenever somebody criticizes or somebody asks him about a potential system change or, or um, I guess lineup change, but more, more system change, his response is, um, are, are they, are they execute? Is the execution there? And is the effort there and with the implication being if the execution's not there and if the effort's not there, then it's not the system to blame. Like what is his thought when something is clearly failing and it's failing again and again and again, as has happened throughout his career at times, what, where is his, how does his thought process work in terms of pulling the plug? Because we have seen him pull the plug, you know, Um, regardless of execution, you know, effort and all those things. Like, he knows he clearly there is a part of him that knows when it's time, it's time. I want to know, like, again, what does that look like for him? What would that, that specifically that, th- that thought process as far as the minutes go? Man, we, we kind of touched on it before. I've done the math, I know you've done the math. The minutes are not there, yeah. And forget about the backup power forward thing. I'm sure there are still people out there who think the Knicks are going to sign a backup power forward, that's yeah. going to play Obie's minutes. It won't it be Isaiah Roby. No, it <laughs> will not. It is, um, so. I, I suspect, I suspect that to answer Ian's other question, that the every when everybody is healthy, um, everybody will have a baseline of like ten minutes a half or twenty minutes a game, whatever you want to say, and you get to the last five minutes, and the people the of of rj grimes um uh quickly and Hart, whichever two of those four are having the best games slash whatever the matchup dictates two of those four will close and those will be the guys that get uh you know 26 or 27 28 minutes as opposed to 21 or 22 i know my math was a little off there but like i think that's how it's going to go and i think at the end of the day the averages will work out because guys miss games uh, that's how, that's my guess. But I do think we're going to like, right from opening night, I wouldn't be shocked if I don't know if it's going to be quickly. I don't know if it's going to be Grimes. I don't think it's going to be RJ. Might be DiVincenzo. Someone's going to have a minute total. That's going to be like 21, 22, something in that range. It's because it, there's no other way for it to happen. It's just, it's unavoidable.
2: Yeah. I think you're going to have situations where after every loss, that's going to be the question. Oh, so and so down the crunch Immediately time. You add DiVincenzo to the mix. It's five. Right? It's RJ. It's quick. Did I not it's, name it's the even now? It's, it's even said those five players. So it's a after terrible every job. loss, you can expect Tibbs <laughs> to be asked, Hey, what happened to this guy? He was cooking here. He was cooking there. But I just think it, the, the game is going to dictate it. One and four in crunch time, one and four are slotted in. It's Jalen. It's Julius. Other than that, I think the game is going to dictate. Who you go with at the two and the three, depending on who in the matchups, who's playing well, who's got it cooking, who's got the momentum going into the fourth quarter, into crunch time. I I just think that that's the only way that uh, that Tibbs is going to be able to play it here, because you have guys who. The skill sets aren't necessarily similar, but there's not necessarily one who's a cut above the rest. So you're gonna have nights where days up and nights where he's down. Divincenzo's up, DiVincenzo's down. Hard same way. Grimes, same way. And so as you said, maybe injuries help play help things play out, but I also think it the, the game is just gonna to have to tell the story. You just made very briefly, I know we're getting long on time. You just made me think of like
1: I'm not going to group anybody else in with me. I tend to think of those. F- yes, it is five. Apologies to Dante David Schenzo, I forgot you existed for a moment. Um, I group those five. I kind of throw them in one bucket. It's like the five wings, you know, and I, I understand quickly is more of a point guard than a wing, but like the five other guys Warren are in Prunson and Randall yeah. and they are at centers. Um, I wonder if there will be more specific Either ors within those five. For instance, I don't love Josh Hart and RJ Barrett on the court together yes, for yeah, reasons yeah. that should probably be yeah, obvious, yeah. which is why so many people got pissed off during the playoffs because they start right, games together and right. it's clearly very clunky. Like, will will it be either one of those two on the floor at the end of the game? Um, you know, looking at like if it's if Brunson's out there, which we assume Brunson's gonna be out there most of the time, like does that mean both you know, or does that mean it's going to be one of Grimes quickly and DiVincenzo because of size, right? right you know, right. Like how small do you want to go? Um, that, to me, is going to be something worth monitoring in terms of the closing lineups, in terms of like how much like uh, mixing and matching is there uh, at the end of the game. So something to look forward to.
3: What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh kickstart a fresh fall routine with a meal kit that handles all the meal planning and shopping and delivers everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part and you get to take the credit. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. That's why they're America's number one meal kit. A busy fall schedule doesn't always leave you with time to spare. And with HelloFresh, you don't need to spend all evening in the kitchen to whip up a wholesome meal. With their quick and easy recipes and 15-minute meals, you can get a tasty dinner on the table in less time than it takes to get takeout or delivery. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash 50Filmschool and use code 50 film School for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash 50Filmschool and use code 50 film School for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, this is the last one now, right, Andrew? Good stuff, fellas. So... I'm gonna need you guys to buckle up for this. Oh boy! One. All right, here we go. Okay, and for headphone users, I got the best audio quality I could. <laughs> um, but for this last one, I'm really afraid. <laughs> I think you're really gonna. I think you're uh, man. I think I did myself. So. Here we go.
5: All right. Last but not least. Hey guys, uh, Mark Berman. Uh from uh, Palm Beach County. I had a question about uh, Nick's retirement jersey issues. Uh, I know I did a piece freelance-wise on Carmelo Anthony. uh, May not have his number retired in Denver uh, number 15 because uh, Jokic is currently wearing it and it might be awkward. Should the Knicks step up then and retire seven, even though his playoff history was very minuscule. And is there any other player, perhaps Bernard King, who deserves to have his number hanging in the rafters? The Knicks uh, historically have been very uh, cautious about uh, retiring jerseys unless you won a championship or your name was Patrick Ewing. So this goes out to Macri. And CP, just wondering your thoughts.
1: So you say, a look at this, look, look at a this. F- just a, f- a few things. So again, I, I find myself saying this a lot. If you're not yet subscribed to the Next Film School YouTube channel, oh today is the God. day to do it. So you could see Mark Berman um, sporting a really nice uh, five o'clock stubble. I, I do have to say, <laughs> he's wearing it really well, along with. Get make sure i don't forget anything here um a, a really lovely floral print hawaiian shirt number i think i count two buttons unbuttoned there and a pair of purple, lavender sunglasses
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah um and he is it looks like there's a beach in in the background like I, I think that's a beach.
3: He's sitting in one of those oversized beach chairs that yeah, you see, like on the beach. At the, but like at the front of the beach, like welcome
1: to the beach. <laughs> welcome to the beach. Yeah,
5: and so well, I, I, I know where it's...
1: what the sign says, even though you can't
3: read it. All it's city of Lake Worth, Palm Beach, Florida. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. my God, he is Florida Manning so hard right now, and I love it in all of its glory. I, oh thank God. you, Mark. <laughs> thank you, Mark, so much. Uh, so Nick's retired numbers.
2: I
1: You know what's funny about this? Earlier today, and I know, CP, you probably have a lot, a lot of the same alerts on your phone that I do. I got an alert that next season, the Charlotte, I was going to say Bobcats. Maybe yes. they're going to revert to being the Bobcats for this celebration. Uh, the Hornets are going to celebrate Baron Davis and yep. Gerald Wallace. Now look. <laughs> What's <laughs> the Nick always in Nick Baron Davis. Uh, Baron Davis and Jared Wiles, wonderful players. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure they both made the playoffs there. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think. Baron Davis was part of that Charlotte team. I think they won a playoff series, I think way back when, maybe. Or maybe I, I, may, I may be confused. What <laughs> The point is, other organizations, like if you walk and chew gum at the same time, you're getting your, you know, your jersey night and your whole thing. The Knicks, I kind of want to say to their credit, have not done that. Um, you know, because it's an easy way to sell tickets, it's an easy way to sell, you know, other paraphernalia. Yeah. Let me I think mellow is an obvious yes. I'll just start there. And I'm not a I don't know if you know this about me, I'm not a huge mellow guy. Yeah.
2: I think he's an obvious yes. I don't know, man. I, well, first of all, shout out to Berman, man. Nobody does retire. Shout out to Mark Berman. Better than Berman, man. He, even when he's one retired, of the he throws grenades over the fence every once in a while. just <laughs> stir up some So I always love that about him. Um, you know, what Charlotte is doing, Giants and Jets are doing it. Many teams are doing sure. it with their ring of honor. Yankees have oh, now started to do that with, with in Monument Park. Now guys get a plaque. Your number's not going to get retired. You get a plaque. But, but you get a plaque for some of the fan favorites. Nice market employee. Get people in seats. Salute your guy. Give him a standing ovation, curtain call, whatever it is. I think the Knicks could do something like that for the Mellows, the Kings. You want to go Starks, Oakley, if you're Mason, you, your guys back in those days. Maybe they do something like that. But, I mean, it, I'm just this is just based on the Knicks standards, Right. I, he doesn't make it based on their standards. I don't think he makes it. There was just not enough winning during his time I, here. Here's
1: my pushback. Yeah, you said based on the Knicks standards. Yeah. To me, the Knicks standards have are have been allowed to be very black and white because if you look at their history. They had obviously one successful era and all the guys, all the important guys from that era, their numbers are retired. Yeah. Um, And then since then, they've had one other successful period or period sustained success. And then they retired the most important guy. Yeah. There was never anybody from the Ewing era. And I'll include Houston and Sprewell. And the trust people is my favorite Nick, you know, him or Ewing, one one or the other Mm -hmm. that even with the winning. Rose to the level of, you know, we really need to give this guy strong consideration. To yeah. me, Oakley was always going to. If there was going to be a second guy from that era, it was going to be Oakley because of the years of service time, because of the consistency, and obviously, we we know he's he's not getting his jersey retired. Um, Mello almost falls into a different category because he was a perennial All Star, and he yeah. was here for seven years and. In terms of, like, yeah, never made it to a conference finals, but like, man, made the playoffs those three times. Like, that's yeah. clearly, he's the best player. Got, as we mentioned before, he's third in MVP. I mean, how many players in the history of this franchise have been in top three MVP? And which leads us to King. Yes, King was second in MVP, but his, his career here, for all intents and purposes, as at peak, peak yeah. King, was a year and a half. Yeah, it's too short. That that, to me, is the, the key differentiator between King and Mellow. And I understand people listening to this and sh- screaming and yelling old heads. poppycock!" Yeah, they're going but- King's. Yeah, yeah they're going King's. He has head. to be in if Mellow's in and yeah. King should in before Mello. I hear you. I think there's a world where they could legitimately, like, straight face, not for any
2: illegitimate reasons, hang Mellow's number yeah. in the rafters. Look, I'd love to see it. If they did, I'd be the first one in the building. That's my guy. I, t- talent, be damned. I just, I there just was not enough success. They did make the playoffs, uh, even with those rosters, man. Tony Douglas and Sean Williams and all these, and Sky, Billy Walker and all these guys. But I, I just, uh, again, by their standards, I don't see him getting in. I, I don't see him getting in. We'd love to see it. You know, maybe, maybe they do one of those Ring of Honor type of things, though. So.
3: So, CP, let me ask a question about the, the Knicks standards, because you're a Yankee fan. And yes. And there's a Yankee standard with... Now, the Yankees have won so many championships that they'd be like, if you won a championship, you're eligible. So, yeah, that covers like 500 people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Mets have kind of had that standard for... Or had that standard for so long that the only retired number they had was Tom Seaver and Gil Hodges and yeah. Mike Piazza. So, it was like... If you made, if you won a World Series, or you were a Hall of Famer, that's really what it was. If you were a Hall of Famer, you got Mm -hmm. your number retired. And they had two numbers for like 32 years of my life that were retired Mm -hmm. for that were players. And in the last three years under this new owner, there's a new standard where it's like if I watched you in the 80s, we're retiring your number. (laughs) (laughs) Keith Hernandez gets his number retired. It's it's that's really all Steve Cohen's doing is like, oh, remember the 80s when I made my fortune? I loved watching the Mets. So. Keith Hernandez, Doc and Daryl. I'm telling you, Ron Darling's next. Wally Backman's next. All of the 86 <laughs> Mets are going to be on the left field. Yes, you're awesome. <laughs> and Roger on the same day. That whole road to Bobby Ojeda. Yeah. You name it. I have to jump in here, though, because I can't
1: believe I, I can't believe I'm defending Mellow to you. If they retire Mellow's number... I don't think their standards need to go down one bit. No one else needs to have their no. jersey retired. Should, it's no.
3: why the, the question for CP is like, should the Knicks have this standard? A team that has Yankee standards or that type of strict standard of like, if you want a championship, if you're like a, you have to have this to make it into not yeah. park Or because the Knicks have the Mets history, should there be less of a uh, restriction and should they let in yeah. A mellow or a Bernard, or if I I see the point yeah. you're making, John. Yeah. I know I know the counterpoint but, has always been though that like guy made the second round once, are so we going to really raise his number? So, yeah. Uh, uh, well, CP, what do you, what are your thoughts? On
2: I think they should. I think they should, but like, as John said, if if Mello does get in, doesn't mean I'm retiring Starks' number and, and, right. and then opening. No, no, no. I think Mello as a basketball player as the talent that he is and the guy that put up numbers when he was with this team and who's going to be a hall of famer. I think he should.
1: He, Carmelo Anthony is a top 75 all time player. He will be remembered as a Nick more than anything else. He should have his number retired. Bernard King should have been a top 75 all time player at the absolute worst. He's in the top 100 of all time. And like, if we're, he should, again, I think he should be in the top 75. He he will be remembered for his time as a Nick. If you want to put him in there too, I obviously have no issue with it. You don't need to go any further yeah. than that. That's it fair. doesn't. There's it, it, like it. That's what makes it different from the Yankees and frankly from the Mets. The Mets have a lot of guys that theoretically now could like. I, I we don't have to start going through them, but like the Knicks, you could stop at those two, and you don't have to go a step further. So.
3: Interesting. Well, thank you, CP, as always, for, for humoring. Hold on. I did it again. Damn it. Guys, there's another question. I every this, year. This is yours. I, I I keep forgetting <laughs> that there's one question and I just I was like, waiting for this. Man. I'm so sorry, CP. We yeah, got one I was, more. I hope I you God, this is this. man, I'm such a, a bad producer, potentially a bad actor when people see this later. Last can't one. Be convinced all right hey john hey cp thank you as always for taking my call it is an honor every year to get the chance to ask a question to two great nicks shills i mean content creators as yourselves my question is actually about the other crossover that just happened so last week i think it was on this same channel alex of nicks fan tv jumped on nicks film school and he had a conversation with the Oh, the the, the, the adorable uh, newly married uh, executive producer. I forget his name. Uh, I believe he goes by four four letters at this point. Um, but they had a conversation about who runs New York at the moment. And a lot of people objected. I think there were Giants fans, and they weren't as kind to the Giants. And they were they're really excited about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. And they didn't mention a single hockey player, which was probably an oversight on their part. But... Since it's obvious that Aaron Rodgers runs New York at the moment and that the Giants are suddenly little brother, I actually wanted to get your take on who's second and then so on in New York. Who runs the city at the moment? Is it Jalen Brunson? Is it a New York Nick? Is it still Aaron Judge? Is it jason dominguez of the yankees in the run that they're potentially making so as far as popularity notoriety attention who would be leading all the sports programs at wfan or espn radio or even if if the two of you were doing a new york sports talk show and not just Knicks, who would be the number one person on that list who runs new york i guess Technically, who would be number two? Isn't it great that the Jets got Aaron Rodgers? Finally, New York has a quarterback that's going to make the Hall of Fame that's going to play for them. Since we haven't had that in over 20 years, right? I'll hang up and listen.
2: Oh, boy. Uh, I-, I was waiting for that.
1: CP, <laughs> who-, who runs New York?
2: Oh, it's easy. He's Brunson. Okay. This is this is Brunson's town right now, man. I, I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, this is Brunson's town. Um, Judge coming off the injury. Yankees being atrocious. He's going to slide to two. I'm putting DJ at three. DJ being Daniel Jones. Yeah, okay. that's him. Place for the Giants. I'll put Rogers next at four. He hasn't earned anything, but he is Rogers, and you know Jets fans always want to win something. So I'll uh, give so, you guys fourth.
3: So let me ask you this yeah. hypothetical scenario: You and John are hosting a afternoon talk radio show. Yeah. Okay. You you both get the afternoon slot on the fan. You're filling in for for Tiki and for for Evan yeah. for an afternoon. Yeah. And you're telling me that you would plan out the program by mm-hmm. talking about Jalen Brunson first. Aaron Judge second, Daniel Jones third, and then you'll mention Aaron Rodgers.
2: Yeah. Well, when they know that me and John are on and it's a better show, the Knicks fans are going to call in. So they're going to know that we're going to talk Brunson. We're talking Knicks. with me was, and Macri are on. And, and our people are going to come through. Of course. Easy. So I wasn't I mean, going to try would.
3: to take a shot at whose shot no. is better and who hasn't. But that, that would be lovely. Shot
2: those are
1: my guys. If, if we. If we if we're not living so much on the the moment, I think it's obviously Aaron Judge. But if we are living in the present moment, I'll just say that. And again, I'm I haven't really watched football in a couple of years. If Aaron Rodgers starts two and zero, it forget it. It's done. It's over.
3: I think <laughs> if he starts one and zero. If they blow out the no no, they went on me, Monday night. We've got six against eight. the no. Bills, right? Against the Bills, yeah. Big game. I'm I'm talking about like
1: real. Like two and zero, oh, he looks really good. They look really good um, through two games. Then there, I, I think there will be more excitement over him than any New York athlete since I guess Judge first came up. Probably his rookie season. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would seem to be accurate. With a tip of the cap to 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 Saquon, I guess when he was first around, because that was pretty exciting too, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, I can it. I can agree with that. Once they once they mm. start to earn it and, and turn the Jets fans into believers, because, mm. you know, you, you guys need need all that goodwill. So
3: I think there are some Jet fans, myself included, that I, so I will I will just like we're having fun. We're doing a show like yeah. I'm doing everything not to fully jump off the bridge, CP um, yeah. or jump out the window. Like, yeah. Yes. expression that both you and John are familiar with. Yeah. Um. It is impossible to not. This is this is the most excited I've ever been for a sports season of a team that mm. I've rooted for ever. And I, I guess my question, if I can like adjust it to an actual serious question, is like, what's the most you've ever been excited for a a sports season for a team that you've rooted for, and has the hype ever been met with, you know, the expectation, whether they won the title or not. Like is 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 not the year. Did you enjoy the journey of the hype that was created at the beginning of the season? Uh, For me, it's 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 always the year after the Giants win the Super
2: Bowl, Mm. and they always let you down. The Giants never handle hype well. Uh, The year after they wanted an 07, I thought that team was going to be better than the 07 year. And and you know how that ended uh, with Plaxico shooting himself Mm -hmm. in the leg and shooting the team in the leg because (laughs) that that was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, When the Yankees got A-Rod and Sheffield, I looked I was really looking forward to that year. Wow. I was really looking forward to that year. And, uh, and they were great. They were a great team. And then um, we know how that, know ended. How that ended, right? Mm-hmm. So those those would be those three seasons was off the bat. Oh eight Giants, twenty twelve Giants, and then whichever year the Yankees got a Rod and Sheffield. I forget oh, which year they got.
3: Oh four. It's 0-4. Oh four. oh four. Oh four.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: this is cheating because it's not a team sport. But I've never been more excited in my life than when uh, Tiger was in his prime to turn on TV first minute whatever major started on a Thursday and just uh, and just root like hell. Uh, in terms of team sports, though, I mean, I don't know. Probably <laughs> I'm going back. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to count my when years when I was a teenager. This is going to sound nuts. The 2010-11 Knicks, because it was uh-huh. the first full year with Mello. And I was like, we got Mello. We got Stoudemire. We're going to have point guard, but who cares? We're going to win 50 games. And then we, I forget where we started, but wasn't very good. Uh, that's, I gotta say, I think that year probably takes
2: the cake.
3: Is that your Nick answer CP? My Nick answer would be 2012, 12, 13. That's my yeah, 12. We got okay. Jason
2: Cade, my guy, Rashid Wallace was on the team. I was like, Oh my God. You know, Kurt Thomas came back. Canby came back. So did definitely didn't expect him to win 50 games. But especially the way that they came out the gates, I was at the game when they beat Miami, they beat the big three with LeBron and, and Wade. It made you feel good about the team, man. And then they had a great season. They did. I got the year wrong.
1: It was 11, 12, 10, 10, 11. They made the trade from Melo during that year. The, yeah. The following year.
3: Yeah. I think, yeah. I think those are the Nick answers. Cause I didn't go into a lot of, cause I granted, I, my Nick experience starts in 99. So going into the 2000 season, there was just like an expectation that we uh, we start paying attention once the playoffs start. Man, and- I'll just jump in real quick. Going,
1: I remember the feeling going into the 1999-2000 um, season. I was hyped yeah. coming off that yeah. finals feeling like, okay, Pat's back. Maybe it's the last run, but Pat's back. Um, I was 16 at the time or 17, whatever I was. I was like, Oh, we would have been at the Spurs if we had Patrick Ewing. You know, Spreewell was there, the team came together. I was like, We're d-. and look, they went to the freaking
3: conference finals that year. Yeah. You know, they were really, really good. But, but What a time. We the Knicks went to the conference finals and it was considered a disappointment.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. It's yeah.
3: It is the most <laughs> it is the most under underappreciated,
1: under discussed. Season, yeah. I would argue in in their history, that was a fantastic season. Yeah, and a fanta- obviously a fantastic win over the Heat in the second round.
3: But for a different podcast, well, in all sincerity, thank mm. you, CP, and I. Absolutely. I have the Giants. I am predicting the Giants to make the playoffs. Sure. I have them as my seven seed. I, it, I I do hope that the Jets are better and that they have a. Uh, I hope this season's fun. Cause I can't deal with the fact like if Rogers comes out here and looks like Russell Wilson, then I may just delete myself from the internet and <laughs> not go near a, like just not go near a person for this entire football season. I am so, I, I have been given so many cups of Kool-Aid to drink and I'm like, Hey, I'll take the water for now, but like put it to the side. I'm, I'll drink it after I see something. And then this clip from hard knocks or this static about how Josh Allen Against the Jets, or you know, Aaron Rodgers hasn't lost on Monday Night Football since 2012. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. And it was a game that he left after two plays because he got hurt. And then the game before that that he lost, the last two losses he has, were that game he got hurt. And do you remember the fail Mary? Yes, the replacement yes. refs game. Yes, for yes. Like, Seahawks. So those are the last two times Aaron Rodgers the Seahawks, right? lost. Yeah, the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so since
1: he since he was 35 years old, he hasn't lost the game on Monday Night Football.
3: Yes, yes, John. But like that's why it's so set up for the Jets to be the like, oh, he hasn't lost on Monday Night Football since 2012. The Jets will end that streak, no problem. And that's the that's the fear is that they're the Jets will happen, and you know, good things uh,
1: can happen. Jets, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. CP,
3: uh, you're the man,
1: uh, truly living legend, uh, guiding star, shining light for anybody uh, getting in front of a microphone that isn't you know, doesn't have an ESPN contract in their back pocket. Uh, you continue to set the standard and, um, you know, great continuing to watch you from afar and uh, get to do things like this. Occasionally, hopefully I see you out in the wild at some point this year. Yeah. Uh, somewhere along the way, maybe at a game uh, or, or, or somewhere else, but yeah, man quite a ride and uh, I'm trying to think well, oh yeah tell folks at home like as if people need to be told where to find you but tell, tell say whatever you want to say before we get out of there
2: yeah man you know always a pleasure to, to be on the show with you guys uh, hopefully we can cook something up during the season for the fans to enjoy we got the part two of the crossover which will uh, come up before the season starts so I'll definitely circle back with you guys to uh, to schedule that one but um, youtube.com slash KnicksFanTV or youtube.com slash at the NBA report and yeah man just tap in with us definitely appreciate you guys for having me on
1: always a pleasure and uh thank you Andrew Claudio for putting together all these questions especially the one from Mark Bourbon that was, that was, <laughs> <special>. <laughs> that was- uh hope everybody enjoyed the show uh we will be back with more funny games very soon peace out